Hey, welcome, folks. It's on to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic, uh, which you should be subscribing to, uh, the podcast and also to The Athletic. Uh, this is Brett Taylor. I am here. Uh, the whole crew is together. We got Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. And uh, my as, as I'm talking right now, my wife is texting me because we, you know, we just started and my uh, energy goes up when we start recording and she's like firing a text at me right now. Oh my God, you're so loud. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, that, uh, that just means I'm excited, excited to be back talking, uh, with you guys and, uh, you know, just what can I say? I get, I get jazzed talking about the Cubs, Cubs especially on a ruckus. Yeah. Well, especially on a big day. I mean, as far as big days get in spring training with, Joe Madden making his return to uh, not to the Cubs, but coming to Sloan Park as his Angels were playing the Cubs today, recording on Monday. Uh, and uh, I know that you were there, Sahadev. Yes, uh, for the return. It seemed yeah. It seemed nice. It seemed it just seemed sweet. Yeah, I would say that. I mean, it was you know a, a love fest for sure. He he was followed by ESPN cameras, so. We got to uh, give our friend Jesse Rogers some hell as as he as he works on his second Joe Madden book. Uh, I don't think he's actually <laughs> doing that, but it was fun to joke about it with him. And uh, you know, Joe's always Joe's Joe. You know, right right away he's at, once he gets to us, he starts chatting, answering questions, going back to the well with so many different anecdotes that we've heard a dozen times before. Uh, but it's still fun to hear, you know, going back to the minor league stuff, uh, talking about how he plays well in the sandbox with others, stuff like that. Just just these little, uh, you know, go to one liners that he has all the time. And and it's uh, it's 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 fun to listen to him talk. Uh, it was fun to watch him see Rizzo and Bryant. Uh, get a little bit of an ovation as he headed towards the visitors dugout. Uh, I think when he, he pulled a pitcher at one point and he walked back to the dugout, the fans gave him a little, a nice ovation. Uh, I, you know, there, there are still some things that throw me off when, when, uh, when we talk to him, uh, since he's left, you know, it's, uh, just this, uh, <laughs> he was asked, you know, was there anything you'd do differently during your time there? <laughs> And his only response, all he could think of was, uh, you know, I, Madden's post. Yeah, that's that's what I would have done differently. I would have put it downtown instead of in Wrigleyville, which is just, you know, that's that's where he goes because, you know, he's just not the type that's going to say uh, relitigate every issue that may have popped up and, and say, you know, I shouldn't have pulled Kyle Hendricks in game seven of the World Series and uh, the 2017 playoffs. John Lackey shouldn't have faced Justin Turner. And, you know, that's not Joe. Joe's not going to go over every pitching move that, uh, you know, uh, may have had uh, fans uh, pulling their hair out. And he's certainly not going to go back and say, yeah, I definitely should have uh, – uh, police the clubhouse more and made sure that they were working harder uh, pregame and and that was definitely on me and I'm I'm changing that for sure because he doesn't <laughs> believe that he needs to change that so uh, so it's I 
part of uh, one question I asked him was, and I and he misunderstood the question, and I, I didn't. It wasn't necessary to keep digging into it. But I basically said I was talking about us and the fans, and I asked him, would it probably be just best for all of us to move past relitigating what happened and just kind of you know enjoy what you were able to accomplish? And he kind of uh, he took that as him taking the bait and answering questions, and him saying. No, I'm just answering questions. You guys are asking the questions and I'm answering them. And that's, I meant it more as, is it time for us to move on? Do we just need to stop talking about why it ended and just move on? David's, David Ross is here. Joe Madden's with LA. Let's forget about this. We can figure out what went wrong later on. That's up to the Cubs to figure out. Let them take care of that. Uh, but even even then, he was still like, no, no, I, I, I'm just answering your ass questions. You guys are answering me questions, and I'm giving honest answers, which, you know, fair enough. I, I guess that's where he sits with that. And, uh, but for the most part, it was, uh, it, it was nice to hear everyone be very positive about Joe. And, and he even took the stuff that we've been breaking down over these past few weeks of Javi saying this and Hendricks saying that and Rizzo and Bryant, all of them saying things that kind of suggest that a new voice was necessary. Joe basically said, yeah, I, I get it. Change is needed. Sometimes I needed change too. And, and I think they're all fine with it. And to a man, all the players today in pregame uh, had nothing but positive things to say about Joe. And all of them were saying, you know, we wouldn't have won that world series without him around. He changed, he changed things here. So I, I think it, it's good to, to be able to celebrate Joe Madden. And, and I, I think it's, you know, there, there's something to the fact that David Ross is in charge now and, and, there's something about that that's important that we can continue to dig into, but uh, perhaps it, it, we don't need to keep going back to Joe Madden didn't do this right and and it's all his fault or this is his fault and how are they going to correct it? It's more about what is it that David Ross provides that uh, that can be a difference maker. Speak for yourself, Sahada. We're going to relitigate <laughs> this every homestand, every road trip. Uh, every quote mentioned in a group interview, every little detail we get on background, it's all about Joe still. And I think he loves that. Uh, I know Brett has picked up on this kind of quote tweeting, you know, articles or, or quotes that are kind of sent out from Mesa about this idea of, you know, Theo and has recognized things that they have not done well and needed to change. The players have come out and said there are things that we need to do differently this year. And Joe Madden really wishes Madden's post was on Michigan Avenue, not in the <laughs> building where the Cubs offices are right next to Wrigley Field. And now, but that's also what makes Joe Madden a star. I mean, you saw it on the ESPN broadcast listing, listing all the posts he held with the angels. I mean, this guy, they could have been fired any number of times just because there was so much kind of corporate turmoil uh, at the ownership level in the angels organization, all the coaching staffs and managers, they churned through and Joe not only survived, he kept getting promoted. And I think to go from, you know, the son of a plumber in Hazleton to, you know, a total non prospect to, a Hall of Fame manager, you have to have some gigantic blind spots and an enormous amount of self-confidence. And I think, you know, while in the end, I think both sides are pretty happy where they <clears throat> wound up. I mean, there's kind of no escaping the, uh, you know, Camp Madden, Camp Rossi uh, comparisons this year. 
I suppose it's for the best that the Cubs aren't playing the AL West in interleague play <laughs> this year. I mean, <laughs> ultimately, obviously, the visit today was going to uh, require a little bit of this conversation. And I think that if Patrick nailed it, that for me personally, it's a little frustrating that among everyone associated with the organization the last few years, there seems to be only one person who um, is unwilling to publicly at least address some failings. Um, and, you know, it, we're just going to have to accept that. And it's not about, um, it's not about denigrating anything that Madden accomplished with the Cubs because it was, uh, like Sahadev said, you know, like it just, it was what it was and we enjoyed it and it's, it's history and great. Let's move on. Um, but it's just that whenever this does come up and he, you know, does his very Joe Madden thing, half joking, <laughs> half deflecting, quite serious, mentioning the restaurant as his failing instead of, you know, any number of things. It's just it's a, just a little needle. It's just a little needle because I think that, you know, for the fans there will always be a little frustration. I mean, it's especially pending what happens in the next few years, there will always be a little frustration about the overall disappointment in the years that followed 2016. And it, it just, it becomes easier to move on with respect to the front office and the players and some of the coaches when they uh, acknowledge where things went awry and, and so to be reminded each time when this does come up that Joe Madden just, just isn't going to go there, um, it just, it's, it's like a scab that doesn't quite heal and not a big deal. I mean, really, it isn't. I know well, that we talk about it a lot, well, but it's be, not that big a deal. To, to be completely honest, I'm, I was, I'm just totally playing devil's advocate here because I do think it's the main, the main topic of, of what's happening in this, this spring, like, and this season, it, it, for me, it is, and I share that frustration that you talk about. I think uh, when we talked to Joe about this, and that's his response to what he could have done differently, it is frustrating. It's frustrating to listen to because you, you said you're exactly right. Others have admitted there, there's a way to to say that, eh, yeah, things could have been different without you know nitpicking every little issue. It's like, yeah, you, you always want to improve yourself. Isn't that an easy en enough answer, right? But you know he has to. He comes out with the the flippant responses, and that's Joe. That that is him, and uh, that's it's a lot of what's great about him, and, and it's partly the reason that there's frustration there because he it, he struggles to in a public manner uh, own up to uh, the fact that he may have there may have been some imperfections with the way he handled things. Uh, I get it, uh, you know. He, he's built uh, he's built himself up quite a bit uh, from almost you know from from the lowest of low roles in baseball to to a potential Hall of Fame manager uh, so I get where the ego comes from but it is it, it's a hundred percent frustrating to listen to when, when someone won't kind of just say yeah yeah that maybe maybe there is something I could have done even the small possibility that uh, maybe this guy should have been pulled a little bit earlier from a game or or whatever it is, it, it, I, I understand it. And, and it's, it's the same thing. It's the same thing that we've heard for years. And I know fans get more frustrated probably than the media, but whether it's, 
Kyle Schwarber wasn't affected at all by the leadoff spot uh, mentally to uh, fans just don't understand the the ins and outs of how a bullpen works and all that stuff. You know, sometimes he was right and, and all the criticism was wrong, but there are times when, hey, maybe he was a little off base, and, and but he struggles to kind of admit that. I think he also you know what? <coughs> didn't. I, sorry, I got I to gotta jump in here real quick and then you can go, Mooney. I, I realize now I have not publicly owned up to my failings <laughs> the last few years. I don't want to be a hypocrite. Perhaps there was more that I could have done the last few years to improve uh, the Cubs' performance. Better jokes, um, maybe a little more energy, that's like the energy true. I showed that's earlier. That's definitely true. The I jokes are bad. Yeah. Yes. That, that's, <laughs> I will own that. I, just, I, didn't, I didn't want to leave that unsaid. All right? Now you go, Mooney. All right. Well, I mean, I've been an athletic employee since like January 5th, 2018, and I wouldn't do a single thing differently. So (laughs) once again, speak for yourself, Brett. And I will think that I will say that what Joe doesn't do is that he has not pointed the finger at the front office or the players, which I'm sure deep down must be extremely tempting to be like, well, you know, when I got there, they had the number one farm system and uh, you know, Keith Law just this week had the Cubs, I think, at 28, where they've kind of comfortably resided for the last several years across multiple publications, just as kind of a, a bottom tier farm system. And, you know, they, you know, haven't developed a pitcher and they're stuck with pretty much the same roster, which just kind of uh, compounds the focus on the post Madden environment because they do have the same players for a lot of different reasons because they didn't extend the budget yada 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 so i will give joe credit for that he handled um you know what could have been an even more awkward lame duck season with a lot of class uh and a lot of grace um but yeah i think no doubt there are people within the cubs who will probably be reading sahadev's copy and just kind of shaking their head at you know, classic Madden moment. <laughs> um, okay, so it we we have to prove that we can talk about something other than Joe Madden. Uh, I did. I wanted to touch <laughs> on um, Sahadev. You put out a fantastic piece at the Athletic. Uh, definitely check it out, folks. It's about the Cubs pitch lab and a check in with every non-locked-in starting pitcher about what they have worked on so far at the Pitch Lab. And so, uh, I mean, partly, I just wanted an opportunity for us to plug that because I, I really think people need to check it out. And But also to give you a chance, to, if there's anything that you wanted to sort of add, chat about with it, because I think it's, um, you know, it, it, largely because of your work. I mean, we keep getting sort of like, Little, little bits more about the way the Pitch Lab works, how it's working for individual pitchers, how much more guys are buying into it. And I think this time of year in spring training in particular, where the Cubs have so many guys legitimately competing for bullpen spots, every little bit that we get about like, oh, he's working on what pitch? Oh, his baseline was what for this? Oh, what's spin efficiency? Um, <laughs> you know, I, I dig it. I really dig it. And I think people should check it out. And so I... I I guess I just wanted to, an opportunity to bring it up. Yeah, you know, I I mean, you know how I am. I'm fascinated by that stuff. I'm, you know, I'd love to know more. I'd love to know the secrets that they don't really share publicly. Uh, 
I, it's it's funny. I actually got a message from someone from another organization who was like, does the front office get really mad at you about writing this stuff? <laughs> like, it's clear that you're going straight to the players and, and talking to them about this stuff. And they're just telling you everything. Uh, you know, I I would assume they don't love that this stuff is going out, but they're they I I can assure you they're not mad that you know mad at me about it, and they're not directing the players not to talk about it. Uh, Theo is TPing Zahadev's <laughs> uh, 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 his <laughs> hotel room right now. <laughs> uh, he's he's in a gorilla well, suit at the re- residence in right now. That's he's he's going to have to get past the guy that's uh, that's guarding my my doorstep by drinking uh, by drinking white claws and smoking Marlboro lights by himself. He's he's right outside. <laughs> he's literally I'm not kidding that, that he's that back picture. out there right now. It was it happened over the weekend and he's out there right now. I just walked by him while doing laundry uh, and, and gave him a little props for for sticking with the white claw, even though it's the, the weekend's over. He's not done. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Hey, so. ain't no laws, ain't no laws, baby. <laughs> he, uh, but no, the with the with regards to actually what's going on in there, it sounds like it, a lot of these, all of these guys are are embracing it. They're excited about it. Uh, many of them told me that they hadn't had the opportunity to do these things at previous organizations. They certainly weren't explained uh, that the. the Nobody explained to them what exactly uh, it meant, why it would help them to go in there, what uh, what the stuff, the data that was spit out means and why it can help them improve. Uh, Dan Winkler said something about that, about how he's never really he's he, he was fascinated by it all. And and uh, a scout earlier this week uh, or last week mentioned about Winkler something about he's like his fastball looks different. Uh, he's always struggled with it up in the zone and, and it, it just looks like it's working for him up in the zone. Sure enough, I talked to him and that's something that he's working on the spin efficiency of his fastball and he can go up in the zone with it now. So scouts see them working differently in the spring and it's, it's stuff that is directly, uh, caused by what they worked on in the, in the pitch lab. A couple things that, that I want to just touch on that I didn't write about in the piece that I kind of talked to people uh, about afterwards, uh, the when when fans seem to not really understand what it meant by baseline. And baseline is just as simple as the Cubs want these guys to come in first thing when they come to arrive for spring. A lot, most of them showed up early. Uh, is to go in the pitch lab. Uh, each session is about twenty minutes. Uh, they throw at least five of each of their pitches. Uh, they get data from that. Uh, most, uh, maybe not all of them, uh, a significant amount of them. That's just, okay, we got the numbers. We know what you're at right now, whether this is good or bad, uh, we can figure it out. Some of them start tinkering right away and, and they're like, okay, why don't you try this grip on this pitch? Why don't you, uh, Hey, look at how your hand, your fingers are coming off. Dakota, uh, Mekis specifically told me, he's like, I, my hand was my fingers were not the like coming off the ball properly. The ball wasn't coming off my fingers properly. I was coming off the side. I barely it's like the most imperceptible change that he made with the grip. And now he's like the ball is coming out out of, out of my hand so much better. It feels better. It looks better. The results are better. Uh, so these guys are making tweaks after just one session. And then what they do, a lot of people are like, how come they're only going in once? What's Craig Kimbrell doing only in there once? He was terrible last year. 
first of all, he's building up, right? <laughs> he, he's trying to build him, build himself up. He's trying to get get right, and and he's going through his normal progression. But the plan is is not. Uh, like I said, there there are 36 pitchers in there. I wrote about 31 of them, or 35 pitchers. There's I wrote about 31 of them. Uh, they all go in there at least once, and uh, they need all the people that run that stuff to be in there with them as well. So there are other pitchers throwing sides. They can't all they can't all be in there running uh, uh, pitch labs every day. Uh, what they want is they want them to get that baseline, then go out and the relievers especially go out and have a, a, an appearance or two. And this week we're going to start seeing uh, them go back in the pitch lab, see what what they've been working on in their side sessions. How's that working? OK, you've you've ramped up to enough uh, that you're throwing in games. You're you're getting closer to being season ready. Where are you at now? Has anything uh, changed that we need to address? Uh, do things look better than they do uh, than they did that first day when you came in? All that stuff. They're checking up on them. Uh, they're seeing what type of progress they've made on the pitches and the grip changes and the release points that they've adjusted or making sure that like a guy like, uh, like Tyler Chatwood, who says he feels great. All he's working on is is making sure he can he, he can try and work this backdoor cutter and, and it's and it's uh, working the way he wants it to. The rest, he's good. He, he just wants to make sure he stays solid and everything is is how it how it's been uh, for the past few months. Uh other guys, it's it's all about like, am I making the right progress? Edbert Alzale, he's he's been in there at least three times already. They're doing a lot with him. Uh, all these guys, it sounds like there's a lot of work, and and uh, some of them <laughs> some of them are doing things that like even uh, uh, Oscar De La Cruz told me I I'm, I'm working on a spike slider, and I talked to the translator. I'm like, is it a spike slider or curveball? And De La Cruz is like, same thing. I'm like, all right, okay. So these guys, like, that's the other thing. These guys all talk about their pitches in the same way. I talked to another person uh, in the pitching infrastructure, and they told me we have to know what they call the pitch. If we call it, uh, if we call that pitch a curveball, and you know, if Brad Mills calls it a curveball, and Tommy's calling it a slider, and this guy's calling it whatever another pitch, uh, that's going to confuse the communication, and it's going to throw off all the work that they're doing because you're confusing the pitcher. So it's a, you have to be on the same page with all that. That's the other thing that all this stuff that they're they're going that goes on in there. Uh, it's not just about the data; it's about the communication of the data and how you're talking to each individual. Uh, player and making sure that all the coaches are on the same page and that the player is on the same page as well. I just had two quick takeaways from that one. While the front office may not be overjoyed with every single detail that's how they've spilled onto uh, our website. Uh, there's no doubt that they're, they've constantly mentioned the pitch lab about all these relievers. They're crossing their fingers about and all the money sure. they didn't spend on the bullpen this off season Anytime someone brings up their complete lack of homegrown pitchers, they can say, hey, well, what about Kyle Ryan? You know, like, so that's definitely, uh, it kind of serves a couple different purposes. And then I, the Cubs are clearly being way more secretive this spring training because there's not a big effing sign <laughs> that says pitch lab and a red pitch arrow lab. pointing to the door <laughs> flap where these guys go in for their laps. So there's clearly, you know, it's a real cat and mouse game in, in Mesa. And I think the Cubs have adjusted uh, accordingly, but not for Sahadev's industrialness to talk to like 30, 31 dudes about it. 
Well, you know, in hindsight. <laughs> well, and I will to... say that I think it I think it helps them. I think it helps them as well just promoting like for free agents or like guys want the like today's yeah. baseball player wants this type of stuff. They want the personnel and they want the technology. They want that in place. So it, it, it's almost like a, a promotional tool for them. So they don't like there's stuff that I don't know about that they they're they're not going to tell me about that they have. They this is what I've heard that there's stuff that they're just not going to talk about. Other teams don't have it. We're not talking about it with you. Uh, so so they the information that they give out it, it's it's planned. They're they're not stupid here. They know what they're what they're giving out, and, and I think it helps them. I think it tries to you know they have a reputation that they don't develop pitchers well. Okay, how do we change that rep before we actually? start developing pitchers hey this is part of it this is part of their pr in a sense the pitchers are raving about it uh when i talk to them so that why would they not want that if the pitchers were all complaining about how we're being forced to go in a pitch lab and nothing's working and my shoulder barks after 20 minutes of throwing in the pitch lab then they probably wouldn't be happy about it but this is all positive as far as i can tell uh you know i, I had a great joke lined up about like about the pitch lab sign and how it wasn't very uh sneaky to just add the word not uh to the sign but like you you totally stepped on it yeah Uh, i'm sorry your good point about free whatever the crap you were talking about i was just sitting there stewing that whole time i I couldn't even hear a word you said i was just like god damn it uh i kid i kid because i love so the uh, last thing I wanted to hit on um, just real quick, and it's 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 almost teeing up the conversation because I haven't seen it being had too much. And I feel like we're getting close to a time where it is going to necessarily be an important conversation around baseball. And that is the uh, increasing advent of the coronavirus and its its impact on, you know, travel around the world. Uh, the economics around the world, and of course, the health and safety of of people in uh, nearly or increasingly many, many countries around the world, including the United States. And we are entering a time when uh, there will be a lot of travel and large groups of people close together, uh, you know, for the purposes of taking in baseball. And I am wondering at what point we're going to see the conversation um, because obviously everywhere you look, that's like the national conversation right now. And I'm wondering at what point we're going to see that um, conversation take place within the context of is, is there any concern in MLB as they're launching their season uh, potentially right at a time when there's going to be this added concern about large groups of people and about limiting the spread and and all of this that I guess I just wanted to, it's not something I've written about. It's not something I've seen a lot of people discussing yet. I just wanted to tee it up, uh, you know, for, for you guys, if you wanted to share anything, but also just for listeners to be um, not, I'm not talking about being like nervous or anything, but about the, Um, the intersection when we have these large national world encapsulating stories and how it ends up having a real impact on this uh, sport that we're following, which of course is dramatically less important than the real world implications for, for people, but it's, you know, you can't ignore it. Like it's, I think it's potentially going to have an impact 
uh, in the early part of the season. And I'm, I'm just curious if and when and how MLB is going to address it. Well, it, it's funny you bring that up because I'm, I, I wish I remembered who I was having the conversation with. It, I think it was other writers. Maybe it was on the radio this morning. But either way, it, someone brought up what's going to happen. Like what, what happens if this continues to you know, be an issue and the Cubs are going to London? Right. Like traveling overseas has oh, yeah. is, is become like a big issue as well. You know, it, it's all speculation right now. I don't know. But that's that's something that, you know, could impact <laughs> travel. Uh, we're talking about going overseas to watch the Cubs. I mean, it's it's not you know, it's not an area where we've heard. Of, I don't believe there are any cases in England that I've heard of. I believe Italy is the country right now that that's of most concern in Europe. But uh, they're so who knows who knows where it it goes from here but uh that's a a point someone brought up to me today and i was like oh man i hadn't even considered that now you you know how is that going to start throwing off uh the cubs playing the cardinals in london Uh, if you check out uh craig Custance, the fine hockey writer for the athletic he had a story kind of you know using brett's concept but Looking at the NHL and within his story, it says that, you know, the league was planning on conducting a conference call with the NFL, NBA and MLB on Monday to share uh, all the information that that they've gathered so far and kind of some of the precautionary steps that they're going to be taking. So, yeah, no doubt. Uh, I don't think we're anywhere close to hearing the end of this. And I'm sure once we get closer to the season, um, as teams are you know traveling everywhere and you're talking about crowds of you know, 40,000 people on opening day um, and a virus that certainly um, will be spreading. And I think the other thing, too, you'd have to think about is, like, if it comes back, you know, kind of in the fall, too, if it kind of lies dormant for a bit um, in, in the summer, um, what would happen, you know, kind of if it comes back uh, here in October. So uh, there's no doubt that MLB's uh, security kind of congressional lobbyists, their medical health and training staffs. Um, This has got to be kind of at the top of their agenda right now. Yeah. So we'll, you know, obviously we'll keep tabs on it, um, not only because it's interesting and it's um, sort of a unique situation, but also because it it is going to be important to keep tabs on this as the season approaches and just, you know, just all of us making sure we're doing what we need to do and, whether that means taking precautionary steps or it means saying, hey, you know, actually this this is not necessarily going to be an issue. Um, we'll see what we see. And obviously um, we're we're far from any kind of closure on this topic. So, uh, you know, that's the way it is. The real world uh, impinges on the sporting world. And, uh, you know, we that's our context. That's our lens through which we discuss these things. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next few weeks. And hopefully, hopefully it uh, not only doesn't impact baseball, but uh, more importantly, hopefully it doesn't impact too many people. Uh, so anyway, on that, um, you know, flowery, rosy note, we'll uh, wrap this baby <laughs> up and uh, remind you folks that uh, this podcast is available anywhere you get your podcasts. So if you want to go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcasting app, do it. 
please, you know, give us the old rate and review, that good stuff. That's always kind. You can also always listen uh, via the athletic app. That'll be ad free for you. So cool, cool. Make sure you're um, also subscribing to the athletic, checking out the great work from these guys, Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. You can check out my stuff, uh, Brett Taylor at uh, bleachernation.com. And we will be back at you next week with another episode of On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. And uh, we love each and every one of you. And we'll talk to you again soon. Goodbye.